It's great to see everybody this morning in the house of the Lord. Acts chapter number one, and we're going to begin reading in verse number one. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, skipping all the way to Acts chapter number 28, the back of the book, we're going to begin reading in verse number 25. Acts chapter 28 and verse number 25. When they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Now I'd like you to turn to Acts 29. It's not there, is it? That's what I want to talk about. Acts chapter 29. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray together. By the authority of the name of Jesus, let's lift our voice and pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. There's nobody like you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. 
Father, we pray for understanding to be disseminated and revealed in this house this morning. We ask it in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, there really should be an Acts chapter 29. But there is not. The book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament, even including the book of Revelation, that has no clear ending and no benediction. Benediction, of course, means an ending. And a salutation means basically an entrance or a greeting. And so every one of these books contain, in the New Testament, they contain a salutation in the beginning. And they contain a benediction at the end. All of them. Even the Gospels have a salutation or a beginning. And they end with a benediction of sorts. A conclusion, if you please. The book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that does not contain this. The reason for that is simple, is we are still in the book of Acts. Now, if you really believe that, what we are about to talk about here this morning will have considerable significance. And it is an amazing understanding to believe that you and I are still in a book that at least at this point has no ending. Man, even the book of Revelation with a new heaven and a new earth has an ending. But make no mistake about it, the book of Acts is still being written and you and I are a part of this. Somebody said amen. Now, we call it the book of Acts. In fact, I have several Bible apps on my iPhone. And I think probably just for the sake of saving room, they wanted to be short on words, and it's just called Acts. But the original title is The Actions of the Apostles. That is the full title of this fifth book in the New Testament. The Actions of the Apostles. These two readings that I read in your hearing, first of all, was Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And then Acts chapter number 28 show the panoramic distinct difference and the incredible change that takes place in this one book. It begins uh, with Luke, the physician. He is the author of the book of Acts. 
We know he's the book, he is the author, he is also the author of the gospel uh, entitled Luke. He was a physician. His writings are more nuanced and more descriptive than any other gospels. He is not the most revelatory and the deepest. I would have to say that the gospel of John is by far the deepest of all them and revelatory. But the book of Luke, with him being a physician, a man that gives himself to grammatical study and textual criticism, have long held that Luke being a physician is by far the most descriptive of all the gospel writers. And he is the author of the book of Acts. In the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse number 14, we see one of the rare mentions. This is the Apostle Paul saying, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. There's Demas making a rare appearance. And then also in the book of Luke chapter number 1, verses 3 and 4, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is a friend of Luke the physician. And he is also mentioned in Acts chapter number 1. We already read this, but it says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. That could include the book of Luke up until this point. And so... Luke, the physician, is extremely important because it is not just a record of what was, but it is a launching pad for what is. Because make no mistake about it, the church of the living God is still being recorded. Some would even say that uh, in the book of Revelations, chapter number 20, verses 11 through 15, you see another book was open. It talks about the books that are open. And many biblical expositors believe that those books that are being described in the book of Revelation, chapter number 20, are the 66 books that have been canonized being the Word of God. I know that that's subject to um, academic study and academic opinion. However, we do know that there are 66 books that have been Canonized. They have been authorized and authenticated as being from the Holy Ghost and being part of Holy Writ. They are the 66 books that you hold in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. However, there are some that hold that the Lamb's Book of Life that was another book that was open. In fact, all of the seals, all of the judgments that are found in the book of Revelation are attached to that one book. Not the 66 books. Those are the first series of books that are opened at the white throne judgment. But the Bible tells us that there is another book that is open, and it is the Lamb's Book of Life. And all judgments, the, the bowl judgments, the vile judgments, the trumpets, the seals being broken, all of those are attached to the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, how do you get in the Lamb's Book of Life? The Lamb's Book of Life is a birth record, much like you have somewhere in, your, in, your, in the catacombs of your house in a box somewhere. There's probably 
a birth record that says what your name is. It says where you were born. It says who your parents are. It says your weight, the color of your eyes. If you have any hair, they put the color of your hair and so on and so forth. The Lamb's Book of Life is a birth record of people that have repented of their sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost. The reason why we know that is true. Sister Lori, can you get Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38? This is in the book of Acts after the Holy Ghost was poured out on the birthday of the church. And this is the very first message ever preached from man to man after Jesus has ascended to heaven and the Holy Ghost is poured out. It is the birthday of the church. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is where the blood is applied. Baptism is full immersion in water. And the receiving of the Holy Ghost is resurrection power. Blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection, repentance, baptism, infilling of the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It is so critical. And so important that every single individual is properly, comes under the proper gospel and obeys the proper gospel. That there is an entire book that is recorded in heaven. While the book of Acts, the reason why the book of Acts has no ending is because the book of Acts is the vehicle that God is using to add to that great book. Because there's people that are still being saved in the 21st century. And there's people that are still obeying the gospel in 2020. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Sorry. Now that your ears are cleared out, you can hear what I'm trying to preach to you. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The book of Acts is held by virtually every single denomination as being a history book. It is not a history book to the apostolic church. It is a birth record of our beginnings. It is setting the perimeters of our operation, but we are still writing the book of Acts. I'm excited to be in Cornerstone in Spokane, Washington, because for the last 26 years, there is a record that has been written in this church that is being recorded in heaven. Maybe not the fact that we just bought our fifth building and not the fact that we started with zero and we're just continuing to climb and not just the fact that we continue to thrust forward in the power of God, but that souls are being added to the kingdom of God and names are being added to that book. And you and I are a part of that. Let's clap our hands and give God great praise. Your life has purpose. Your life has direction. Your life has meaning in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And so, 
The book of Acts can be theologically broken down into several different platforms of study. It's good to see Brother Orlando here, his beautiful daughter. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The book of Acts can be broken down not just geographically, not just chronologically, but it can be broken down ethnically. It begins with the Jews and ends with the Gentiles. And we love the Jews. Come on, say it so they can hear you in New York. We love the Jews. Come on, let Governor Cuomo hear you. But did you know that if you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a higher position in reality than any Jew in this world. And that's not putting them down. They just haven't caught up with us yet. Because even the most orthodox of all Jews are still maintaining the tenets of the Old Testament. Well, God has completely superseded everything that's in the Old Testament. To somebody that has been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and genuinely been born again, you are a child of God, and that is far beyond a child of Abraham. Because, hold on, where they're holding to, to Abraham as being their father, Jesus Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. And so we are baptized into him. We're way over where they are. But we need to pray for the Jews. We need to pray for Jerusalem. We need to pray, why? Because Jerusalem is the mother of us all. It's where all this started. I'm going into all this today. But we are in a much closer position and posture with God than the Jews are. Now they would say what I, they would, they would think what I just said is anathema. That this, this Gentile, pagan, Gentile, ex-drug infested rocker, has no idea what he's trying to say. I know exactly what I'm saying. Because they rejected. They rejected their cornerstone, which was Jesus Christ, which is the head. He was a stumbling block to the Jew. But to us, he is salvation. To us, he is God manifest in the flesh. To, come on, somebody. To us, he is our way maker. To us, he's Christ in us, the hope of glory. To us, he is everything. Clap your hands and give him praise. When you call on the name of Jesus, you're calling on all power, all authority. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. And once again, in Romans, the book of Romans, it's clear that we are not to put them down. Romans chapter 12 said, 
that we that are grafted in should not boast against the tree. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be where we are. So we love the Jews. We pray for the Jews. We pray that God blesses them because they don't know it yet. But we are brothers. We are brothers. When Abraham got that prophecy in Genesis chapter 15, that that which will be from your loins will be as the sand of the seashore and the stars of heaven, was talking about the transcendence of God's program in the earth, meaning that the sand of the seashore would be the nation of Israel because all of their promises right now are based on real estate. Every single end-time prophecy that is tied to the nation of Israel is based on three geographical regions. The nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, and the temple. So all of their prophecies are bound. They are a type of the sand of the seashore. But the stars of heaven is talking about the church of the living God. That's you and I. While our world is caught up with rock stars and sports stars and these, these quacks that think that they have power with people and talking down the government and the president and all this kind of stuff, you are a star in the making that is going to go far. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. To be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are the carrier of prophecy. You are the carrier of reality. You are the carrier of a revelation. You are the carrier of an understanding that is from another world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. So the book of Acts begins with the Jews and it ends with the Gentiles. It begins in Jerusalem and it ends in Rome. Now that has incredible significance that we'll talk about here in a minute. Governmentally, it begins with a supposed theocracy, at least among the Jews, and ended in the city of a dictator. It begins with the record of 120, 11 of those being disciples, and ends with Paul and a few fellow workers while he is under house arrest. It started in the languages of the Jews, which was Aramaic and Hebrew, and ended in Greek and Latin. It started in an upper room with cobblestone streets and ended under house arrest and a prison. It started in the shadow of the temple and it ended with human tabernacles called saints. All in the book of Acts. There is more angelic activity found in the book of Acts than any other book in the Bible save the book of Revelation. There are more miracles recorded by the hands of the disciples slash apostles than anywhere else found in the New Testament. More supernatural occurrences recorded in and through the ministry than anywhere else. The book of Acts records devils being cast out, signs and wonders, healings, deliverance, 
God anointing handkerchiefs, God working through the shadow of Peter, God causing prison breaks, God interpreting languages, God causing prophesying, speaking in tongues, preaching to kings, preaching to rulers, preaching to despots, preaching in the marketplaces, preaching in synagogues, preaching in houses. Somebody clap your hands in the book of Acts. You take off the limitations. When you get to the book of Acts, you take off the restrictions. You take off the limitations. There are no boundaries. There are no limits. The book of Acts is just go for it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Now there's some interesting things to be found here in the book of Acts. God delivers Paul from a Philippian jail in Acts 16. But he's confined to house arrest in a Roman jail and decapitated in 67 AD. The span of the book of Acts is from 33 and a half AD, give or take, all the way to approximately AD 62. I've often wondered why the book of Romans follows the book of Acts because the book of Romans is not the first book in the Bible that was written. They are not laid out chronologically. The first book that was written in the New Testament was the book of James. The second book was the book of Galatians. The book of Acts was not written until approximately 65 A.D., And yet, the way that it's laid out in your Bible, Romans follows Acts 28. I wonder if it's because we leave the Apostle Paul in Rome. We know that the book of Acts was written sometime between AD 62 and AD 65 because it does not record some other preeminent event. It doesn't record what happened in A.D. 70 with Vesuvius, Mount Vesuvius. It does not record the demise of the Apostle Paul. Interesting. Interesting that God would liberate the Apostle Paul from a Philippian jail. but he is decapitated from a jail cell. Listen, just because God is not ending this coronavirus stuff to our liking does not mean that God is not in this. So you have to be more spiritually mature than that. And I, I'm, I'm, I, this is just, this is just, this is mayoology, okay? And so you can... You can wad this up and throw it in the garbage on your way out, and it's not a bit. You can't do that to the Word of God, but you can do that to this. I believe what's happening is, is God is preparing the church. God is trying to, to deliver us from a, the Americanized church. Not that God's, we're going to have to live in caves and dens, but that we are going to have to get back on board with God and the Word of God and understand who we are, what we're doing here, where we're going, so we can do a work in the end time. Somebody needs to shout. This is the most exciting day that you and I have ever lived. 
oh, pastor, I don't want to go to church if I have to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask either. But, it, but if push comes to shove, we're going to do whatever we got to do to have church. Because gathering together, forsake not the assembling of the gathering together. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. I'm looking at a lot of people that are maskless right now. Hallelujah. That's okay. But if they come in and say, if you guys don't do this, then there's something we might have to do. We'll wait for some pushback. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I feel like what the Holy Ghost is doing is God is trying to prep us. Because when this vaccine finally hits... We're going to be in a new building that can run a thousand. Somebody help me out. Oh, we better not be in a building program. The virus is going, honey, this virus ain't going to stop God. God is in control. I need you to clap your hands and lift your voice right now in the face of every lying devil, every spirit of fear, every spirit of doubt. God is the one that brought me here. God is the one that navigated my steps, and God will see us through. Shout with a voice of triumph. Go ahead and pull your mask down and shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most important scripture in the entire book of Acts is found in chapter number one. Let's go to verse number six. When they therefore were come together, it's talking about the 11 disciples. Judas has already taken himself out being a betrayer. Jesus just about to ascend into heaven. So this overlaps. You could say that this overlaps with the Great Commission. I'm getting a little bit of ring up here. There is an overlap between Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and Luke chapter number 24. But this is the only account that records his ascension. So these are the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Look at verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That is, that is a critical scripture to the day and hour in which we live. You have to understand that way back in the book of Daniel, that the nation of Israel was placed under what's called the times of the Gentiles. God never intended for his people after coming out of Egyptian captivity, which is the spinal column of all prophecy and fulfillment in the entirety of the Word of God, is God's deliverance of His people from Egyptian captivity. But because the nation of Israel, they forgot that this is no longer about God. This became about us. They drifted into idolatry. They, they drifted into getting too close to other nations and wanting to be like other nations. And God came in and took them out of their homeland destroyed the city of Jerusalem under the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and took him into Babylonian captivity. 
And while they were in Babylonian captivity, God revealed to Daniel the prophet by interpreting a dream given to the king that the nation of Israel was going to be under Gentile rule until the end of this thing. And so here the disciples are coming to Jesus after being under Gentile rule. The Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Roman, Roman Empire. And they're coming to Jesus saying, are you going to now restore the nation back to Israel? They were focused on the government. You've got to get this. This is why I've come here to preach this this morning. They were focused on the government. They were focused on getting out from underneath the oppression of Roman rule. I'm going to show to you that the government cannot stop the church. So you got people saying, I don't even know if I'm going to make it, man. I, you know, got to drive around with a mask on. If you're driving around in your car, would you please take that mask off? You look silly. Well, I might infect myself. You need to come forward and we will pray for you and God will heal you of that line of thinking. Well, we have to do what the scientists think. No, you have to do what God says. You know, science, science and the word of God do not conflict until they strike, until they tell me where you and I come from. It's always some dude that looks like a rocker, like Albert Einstein with his hair frizzed out. And some double tweed jacket. Billions and billions and billions and billions. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. End of story. I don't need a degree to know that. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying this stuff has not been politicized. I have never, I have never seen and felt and heard ever in my lifetime what the American people are being subjected to right now. But I want to tell you, you are so blessed that you are in the kingdom of God because you have a God that is going to make sure that not one hair of your head, come on somebody, this is what I'm talking about. Get off social media. Take, take the news and throw it in the garbage. And get, pick up the word of God and realize, I am in the book of Acts. And we have a job to do. Come. This is what I'm talking about. I think that we are in a transition period right now where God is trying to deliver us from our dependency on culture. So you're not going to have to give up your house that I'm aware of. You're not going to have to give up your job that I'm aware of. You're not going to have to give up any of your modern conveniences that I'm aware of. What we need to do is probably ditch Starbucks. Well, that was pretty deep. Pastor, I seen you going through Starbucks. 
there was a supposed Christian young lady that was an employee there that was handed a, a gay pride t-shirt that said Starbucks on it. And they said, go put this on. She said, I'm not putting that on. And they fired her. That might be a shadow of things to come. And if, it, if that's what it comes to, I'm still going to trust God. You know what? There's not a person under the sound of my voice that I believe that if it really came down to it, that you would not be, you would not be courageous, you would not be an overcomer, you would not hold your head up, you would not square your shoulders, you would, not rec- you, you would be full of faith in the sight of every lying devil. We are in a transition right now. And I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to do a quick work. In the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, verse number 5, God speaking said, My spirit will not always strive with man. That word strive means to plead, to reason. Come, let us reason together that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. In conjunction with a man that was building an ark and was a preacher of righteousness, the Spirit of God was moving in the world at that time, trying to reason with people. But when their hearts became evil continually, God said, that's it. I can't influence anybody. I can't influence anybody to repent. I can't influence anybody that I even exist. I can't influence anybody. And then the judgment came. That is the judgment that most often resembles the end time is Noah's flood. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on building the ark. We're going to follow the pattern. We're not going to build it according to some social church. We're not going to build the pattern according to some modern denomination. The pattern is in the word of God that was revealed from heaven. And we are going to preach. We are going to preach. We are going to preach. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The disciples came to Jesus. They did not ask one thing about the kingdom. They did not ask one thing about mission. They did not ask one thing about lost souls. They said, are you going to fix the government? See, in every great move of God, there has to be a certain geopolitical backdrop. Whether it's the nation of Israel and the book of Judges, coming into the promised land and, and having growing pains in that transitional book. Or it's the nation of Israel producing the Savior of the world while under the times of the Gentiles. What a dichotomy, what a contrast, an alignment of opposites. And that the Savior of the world was manifested at a time when the Roman Empire was in, in control of the known world. And so there has to be, to create the greatest moves of God, there has to be a geopolitical tension. And here the disciples are saying, are you going to fix the government? Jesus is basically saying, don't worry about that. The fa- that's in the Father's business. I have something for you to do. In fact, I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the direction. I'm going to give you the message. Come on, somebody. You just got to be willing. I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about the future. I'm not depressed. I'm excited. I am not afraid. I am confident. I am courageously confident. 
And let me put some faith into you. If you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't know about this and I'm afraid. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. But we actually got to pray. We actually have to spend time with God. We actually have to get into his presence. I want to tell you what, prayer is becoming more popular every day. Prayer and seeking God is becoming more popular every day. Let's lift our hands and let's give him praise and let's give him glory and let's make our way into his presence. People that are staying home and don't wear a, want to wear a mask are the same people that complain that the church said we need to be in a or the government said we need to be in a lockdown. So that doesn't make any sense. It may get it. I'm just I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I'm just saying that it may get to the point where we're just doing the best we can to get together. But I thought I thought God was in control. God is in control. But you and I have to understand we're not in heaven. You're, we're trying to make it heaven. Well, pastor, I don't want to brag or nothing, but I just got on Medicare. So what? Well, I don't have to pay for my cane. I understand. But we're not in heaven yet. Man, some of you back there are, I'm just a messenger, you guys, really. I'll tell you where we're going to get our joy is the same way that they got their joys in the book of Acts, which preaching the gospel to people and watching people get in this thing, watching people be transformed by this thing, watching people get chained by this thing, watching people be delivered by this thing, watching people get empowered by this thing. Our joy needs to get back to the book of Acts, watching God heal drug addicts, watching God. Well, pastor, just be glad I'm here. I, I'm just here so you don't think I'm backsliding, pastor. Well, I'm starting to think if we ain't winning souls, you're already backslidden. I want to tell you that this is a perfect opportunity to win people to God. They can't go to bars. Come on. Come on, somebody. They can't go to the bars. Yeah, thank you, Sister Penny. Would you say that a little louder? She's the one with the flowers on her hat. In case you don't know where that voice came from. They can't go to the bars. They can't go to sporting events. They can't go to the movies. And I just love to hear these Hollywood types come out and sing their little song. And I'm just thinking, you know what? No one's even listening to you guys. Bruce Springsteen says that. 
They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. What great time for, come on over to our place. We're having a home Bible study. My wife's going to make us sandwiches, and we're going to learn about the kingdom of God. Clap your hand. You're writing the book of Acts. God doesn't need Paul. He has us. God doesn't need Peter. He has you. God doesn't need Deborah. He has you. God's got the church. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We are walking and breathing and writing the book of Acts, chapter number 29. I believe that. Hallelujah. Verse number six, when they therefore were come together, Lord, will you fix the government? And Jesus said unto you, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Pastor, I was in the last Trump rally. And it doesn't look like he's going to make it. You know, you don't think God knows that? Come on, somebody. People, people, even saints of God are suffering from depression, fear. Turn off, turn off the news on your phone. Pastor, we're thinking about going to Georgia because you know there's a big Senate race and we gotta we gotta push, push, push. God is in control. No matter who's in the White House, we are gonna have revival. No matter who's in Senate, we are gonna have revival. We ought not panic, we ought not be afraid. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We ought to be running and jumping and sh Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Come on, somebody. I don't think it's going to get catastrophic. I don't think it's going to get. Well, what do you say we just, we just continue to write the book of Acts? Acts chapter 29. Showed up in Spokane. See, what happened was, go to the next verse, Sister Whitmire, please. Verse number eight. But you shall receive power. This power is not so that you can pass the Zig Ziglar course on how to be popular and win friends. It's not that you can become a CEO. This power is so that you can be a witness to continue to write the book of Acts. But you shall receive power. That word power there is different from the word power that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, when he said, all power 
is given unto me in heaven and earth. That word is power in translating the Greek into English. The Greek only has a very limited amount of vowels. And that's why English is the most descriptive of all languages because it has 23 syllables. The Greek language has very limited syllables, alpha through omega. And so you can have an English word that says power, but actually until you study it out, it has different meanings. In Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18 in the Great Commission, Jesus speaking to his 11 disciples says, and, you sh and all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That word is exousia. Exousia means authority. Now stick with me. He said, Jesus said, can you go there, Sister Whitmire, real quick? I know I'm kind of flip-flopping on you here. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And then we're going to go to verse 19. And Jesus came, came and spake unto them, who are the them? The them are the 11 disciples. The same disciples that were there in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. That word power is authority. It's exousia. Go to verse number 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them. Go ye therefore, which means as a result of, because of. Because of the fact that I have all authority, Go and teach all nations and baptize them. Notice with me in verse number 19, it says, baptize them in the name. Which means there's one name. Now, it says, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. I am a father, I am a son, and I am a pastor. Those are titles, those are roles that I fulfill. But that's not my name. Which means there's one name. And we know that what that one name is because those 11 disciples went forth and on the day of Pentecost in verse number 38, Peter exercised the keys that were given to him in Matthew chapter number 16 and he used that name when he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now why is that important right there? We're talking about the mission of the church. Because the problem with modern day denominationalism is they neither have the authority and they don't have the power. The word power that's translated in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. When you fuse authority with dynamite, you have the spirit of Jesus Christ. You cannot be apostolic and be baptized in the Trinity. You can speak in tongues and bounce off the walls all you want to. But at the end of the day, the devil is not, the devil is not afraid of you when, you when you speak in tongues. What the devil is afraid of is you take that pack of cigarettes and you said, I'm done. Profanity's done. Pornography's done. Uncleanness is done. And holiness is now in place so that the spirit of Jesus Christ can flow through a human agent. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That authority was given to you to first use on yourself. Because you only have as much power through you to the degree that power has worked in you. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I know people are on all different levels here today. 
but the Holy Ghost brought you out of darkness and brought you into the church of the living God. Here's a whole family right here. God's not done with this family. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet. I want to be involved with what God's doing. I want to write the last book of Acts. I want to be a part of this kingdom that is from another world. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. What time, what time is it? I could go all day. It's only 11.18. Only had church for 18 minutes. Hallelujah. This is why the councils... We don't know if it happened at the Council of Nicaea, but most historians place it right there between the 3rd and 4th century. They changed baptism. And when they did that, they took a huge element of power out of the Church of the Living God. The reason why they even had these councils to begin with is because the Apostolic Church, all those churches that were started in the book of Acts, Predominantly, most of them were started in Asia Minor, which was the eastern block of the Roman Empire. And so people that used to be going to the Colosseums and being drunks and, and being fornicator, fornicators with temple prostitutes started getting their lives together and started living for God. And the Roman, Rome started saying, man, hey, something's going on out there in the eastern part of the empire. And so Constantine became the emperor and the first thing he did was change Byzantium and change it into Constantinople. It was his attempt to reclaim the eastern bloc of the Roman Empire. The second thing they did was formulated these, 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 these creeds that took place at these councils where they were basically rewriting church creeds. And that is where they came up with the baptism in the triune formula of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They were trying to stop the power of the apostolic church from taking over the entirety. You see, that's God's plan. God said, you leave that Roman Empire where it is. When we get done with this, we're bringing it under my power. We're bringing it under my authority. You leave that government where it is, and you just have revival. And when it's all done, we'll bring it under my power, and we'll bring it under my authority. Come on, somebody. You're in the book of Acts. Chapter number 29. Let's lift our hands and praise him. I'm almost done. Somebody lift your voice and praise him. Mr. Whitmire, would you put verse 8 back there one more time? We'll just, we'll just leave it there. But you shall receive dunamis, explosive, explosive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. 
unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. Let's just stop there. Not only is the book of Acts a, a study in the geographical, ethnic, and religious move of the church, but it also records the shifting of the supernatural. I'm about to show this to you. This is a revelation to me of Scripture. Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2. They preached. Thousands were saved. The Bible tells us that there were thousands. First day on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized. Another day, several days later, another 5,000 were added to the church. It just continued to grow. It was explosive growth. Right under the heel of the Roman Empire. The government can only affect this if we let, if we think the government can affect this. The government is not going to control this. Never could, never would, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Not going to happen. And so, then it went into Judea. is a neighborhood, it's moving out of Jerusalem. But in Acts chapter number 8, it went from Jews to now half-breeds. See, because moving in tandem with the geographical growth, it's now affecting the ethnicity of peoples. Because what you had in Samaria was a hybrid. They were half-breeds. They were a representation of of the Assyrian captivity of Israel under the times of the Gentiles. Remember, remember the beast of Nebuchadnezzar? And it was Daniel that understood what that, what, what that statue meant, that image. The top part of it was Babylon. The next part was Assyria, the Medes and the Persians. The midsection was Greece. The legs was Rome. The ten toes is the renewed or the revived Roman Empire. Well, the Medes and the Persians began to inter, intermarry with the Jews. And the offspring of the Assyrians and the Jews produced the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. They held to the first five books of the Mosaic writings. But they filled in a bunch of idolatrous gobbledygook, which is why Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship you know not what. She was a Samaritan. He must needs go through Samaria. Well, here it is in Acts chapter number 1. They've already preached everything in Jerusalem, and they've preached in Judea. And now, a guy by the name of Philip that wasn't even recorded in the Word of God until Acts chapter 7, when they chose out seven men full of good report, gets a burden to go and preach to the half-breeds. And there's great revival in that city. The Bible said there's great joy in that city, but only they were baptized in Jesus' name. Stick with me, I'm almost done. They did not receive the Holy Ghost. Why didn't they receive the Holy Ghost? 
because God was still trying to prompt the apostles to leave Jerusalem. The Jer we don't have any record of any of those people that are recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse number 13, that are in the upper room that records all 11 disciples. Eight of those are never heard from again. They are never mentioned in Scripture. They're not mentioned in a salutation, a benediction, or anywhere in between. The only ones that left Jerusalem is Peter, James, and John. And the reason why they did not get the Holy Ghost in Samaria is because God is trying to get the apostles. Come on, get out there, man. They're receiving the Holy Ghost. And, well, I heard Philip's up there preaching. We didn't want to go, but he's up there preaching. I heard there's a bunch of folks that want the Holy Ghost. So here comes Peter and John, and they come in there, and they lay hands on them. And they, the Holy Ghost just starts falling on everybody because God's trying to show the apostles, I never intended for you to stay in Jerusalem. I never intended for you to stay on a pew. I never intended for you to... And so Philip says, man, this is awesome. I did my part and the apostles did their part. So he's now carried by the Spirit. Now watch this. Remember I told you we're in a time of transition right now. God is trying to pry our fingers off of the dead American dream that no longer exists so that we can understand that we're citizens of Jerusalem. So we can start writing this book again. You guys with the mask, are you smiling or frowning? I can't tell. Is this all right? Okay. So Philip's in the spirit. Woo! And the spirit leads him out into the wilderness where it's about to break all Jewish norms. They didn't want to go to Samaria. Just remember what happened in John chapter 4 when the disciples came back from Burger King. What are you doing talking to this woman? Jesus said, if I'd have been listening to you guys, we wouldn't even have a revival in this place. Had to send you out to get a cheeseburger while we're having a revival in Samaria. She went out and brought the whole city back to Jesus. Real revival is so unconventional. Well, Pastor, I hope church is done by 8 o'clock at night because I got to go, you know. When you get in the joy, in the, in the flow, you'll stay up all night, man, with God and go to work. But like me, you'll probably dream and you'll drink an extreme amount of coffee. All right. Philip is just out here floating in the spirit. This is transitional. It's in Acts 8. I'm almost done. Stick with me, Brother Jay. And there's a dude from Ethiopia out there. We went from half-breeds to a man that's completely a different color skin. Not only that, he's got a different sexual orientation. Not only that, he's driving a Mercedes-Benz because the dude's got money. All the cultural norms, because we're getting ready to leap from Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth, and I have to 
So, Philip goes, preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch. He's baptized in Jesus' name. And the Spirit floats Philip away. In Acts 9, it all changes. Can you put up, Sister uh, Whitmer, can you put up Mark chapter 16, verse number 20? I'm almost done, I promise. Give me five more minutes, please. Mark 16, verse number 20. This is part of the Great Commission recorded by Mark. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord, working with them, confirming the word, the signs, following. Everybody said following. following. Everybody said following. following. In Acts 9, it all changed. When it got to the uttermost parts of the earth, God is not just following. God is now out front because he knocks a guy off of a horse before he even talks to the preacher. We go to Acts 10, he talks to a Roman soldier that could have been involved in the killing of Jesus Christ. They were the apparatus, but the Jews had the motive. God speaks to a Roman soldier before he even talks to the preacher. He talked to the preacher the next day and couldn't even get him on board for revival. Had to talk to him three times. What are you trying to say? If we'll write the book of Acts, you'll see the most incredible things and be involved with the most amazing things that a human being has ever seen. You have to extract yourself out of denominational Christianity that is not even reality because biblically it couldn't it can't stand it can't it couldn't stand the truth test. They don't have the authority, and most of them deny the power. Well, we don't. <laughs> We don't speak in tongues in this church. We ain't going to have none of that. We're going to have, and we're going to worship God. And it's going to be quiet. And, and that's exactly what. Show me that in the Bible. That ain't in my Bible. My Bible said you're supposed to shout with a voice of triumph and run through a troop and leap through a... When that poor guy got healed at the gate, beautiful, he jumped up. He said, man, I ain't never been in that temple. I think I'll take a lap. I think I'll dance. I think I'll shout. I think you have to condition yourself to walk in Acts 29 and realize I'm in another world. Stand to your feet and clap your hands, and let's give God the praise. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. Musicians, please come. I really believe this stuff. Your pastor is sold out on what I just preached to you. Well, you know, those people can come to our church. Those people can come to our church. But, <laughs> I don't know. You know, they may not fit in. We got suits and, oh. Transgender people are welcome here. That was weak. I didn't say they're going to preach. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one in this church that thinks that God can knock that spirit out of a person and totally deliver them and set them free? Yes, 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 
Lesbians can come to this church. Whole row of them can come. Five rows of them can come. My God is big enough because he said, and such were some, were some of you, but you are one. Come on, somebody clap your hands. I'm talking about the book of Acts in the 21st century. Clap and give God the praise. Woo! Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. A bunch of Charles Darwin's relatives can come to this church. Anybody can come to this church. We've got people in our world today that are being raised in such a way. They're being taught that the world is flat. They're being taught that their gender is fluid. They don't know what they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know who they are. Honey, we have a role to play in this world, and we are writing Acts 29. And we, my God, I want God to know. Don't send them over there. Send them right here. Clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. I'll tell you what I want us to do. I'm asking everybody that's in this building. I want you to come and just stand around this altar. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to be dismissed in Jesus' name. Acts 29. Acts 29. We need a couple singers up here. We're going to worship God. Asking everybody, come on up. We're not going to make you do anything. We just want you to come up here and pray with us. In the name of Jesus. All right, let's lift our hands. And let's say, God, I want you to send me. I want you to send me. I'm not, I'm not asking you to bring a missionary over here. God, you've got me right here. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to witness. I'm willing to share the word. Come on, let's sing a song and let's worship God together in Jesus' name.